Welcome to Orchestrated Relationships, a podcast studying relational value. I'm David Homan, your host. Years ago, I formed a community of people called Connectors. People who have an innate ability to build and maintain authentic relationships across their personal and professional lives and who thrive on making connections. The community was formed out of a need to develop a system and a methodology to help relational value be valued. The most effective way I've found so far is to champion someone else, which is why I have in front of me the incredible Brian Gaster. Brian, thank you so much for joining. David, it's great to be with um, you and be included. I'm with such a great friend, so thanks for uh, the kind words and for um, inviting me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Now, you are, among many things, um, a serial entrepreneur who is passionate about building and investing in companies and, the tire- and tireless in your pursuit of innovation. You're the founder of Pennington Partners & Co. and several other companies that you're building, including the leading, building the leading financial services solution focused holding companies for the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. You grew up in an entrepreneurial family yourself where you learned the importance of hard work and giving back to one's community. You're actively involved in a number of causes, including being a member of the Jewish Federation's National Young Leadership Cabinet, the JCC of Greater Washington, the U.S. Holocaust Museum, and most recently, and this one is really fascinating for me to understand with what you're doing, is a podcast series interviewing second-generation Holocaust survivors who share a similar passion both for entrepreneurship and for Tiko Alom, which means improving the world. So that's, again, just a short bio of all of the different various hats that you wear. What I'd love to do is just hear a little bit about just one of the projects you're focused on and its impact. David, thanks so much again for including me. So, you know, as you alluded to, I I co-founded Pennington Partners and Company, which is maybe taking a step back. I, I grew up in a pretty entrepreneurial family, which meant if I needed 20 bucks to go to the movies, I could lift boxes in a warehouse. I could work sidewalk sales. Um, when I played soccer competitively overseas as a kid, it was a 50% co-invest, which meant door-to-door candy sales, like a lot of us did, to raise money to contribute our half. And so I think at a pretty young age, the focus around you know, having a strong work ethic, maximizing one's greatest potential, being intellectually curious, but also for my mother, making a difference in the world greater than me are kind of these driving forces for me in terms of what I do. Just to interject, right? So when you sold candy door to door, did you have a favorite one that never got sold? Because in my family, it was paydays. And we just basically, that was how you kept my dad happy. Um, <laughs> when he was out in the heat with you, watching you sell candy was like, give him a payday bar every 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we had to eat. My father eats pretty healthy. He goes to the gym every morning at 5 a.m. And I, I, I've kind of caught on to that myself, or at least try to keep up. and. We didn't keep much candy in the house, so it, I may have gotten into a Kit Kat or two in that process, you know. But it was a lot of fun and putting you in a position, you know. I think at a really young age, when people say no to you and it's no big deal, there's something that's that's really valuable, at least from my perspective, in that process of being used to that. Where you know we're all here, you know, and you kind of alluded to it, and I know I'm not answering your question, but I'll get to it. But I think we're all here for this purpose. It's greater than us, right? And I believe all of us have this unique and special gift to give to the world. David, you have it and, and what you do every single day and orchestrated connecting and connecting people. And so, you know, for me, it's like if, if I have a skill to solve a problem and help someone with something, I can help them and they can, I can invite them into 
hopefully having an opportunity to share, uh, you know, my expertise or whatever it is and make a positive difference, or they may not be ready, right? And so I, I think having that experience at a young age has been has really valuable. So anyway, after spending eight years in investment banks because I didn't have the opportunity to work in my father's company, just due to some family dynamics reasons, and you know, really wanted to create my own path and build my own confidence and stand on my own two feet. I I started a firm called Pennington Partners with this thesis that, like a lot of us when we start companies, comes with experience and a belief, but, you know, could be flawed in, in some way. Rod and I, my co-founder, you know, through my family that owns business in different industries and his family that had sold a company and had a lot of success, we thought there was an opportunity to really build a financial services firm in a multifamily office for our two families, partnering with others. And in parallel, we co-founded a venture capital firm called SAS Ventures, and which invests in, we've invested in 50, in three years, we've invested three and a half years in 50 early stage enterprise technology companies in second tier and third tier cities in North America at the seed stage. And, and the problem that we're really solving for and where we evolved and what we've really learned is there's this you know, huge challenge that entrepreneurs face in you know, I think we all face it, just having such limited time and having an infrastructure that can really support their unique and special competitive advantage in what they do. And so we're building, as you kind of alluded to, the leading financial services holding company, partnering with the most successful entrepreneurs in the world. And you know, when you think about these indefatigable individuals, like my grandfather, who came here as a Holocaust survivor that had, you know, language barriers, no education, and every reason to not want to have the will to, to push on, you know, work tirelessly in a flea market to build a clothing business to give his kids a better opportunity at life. It's like, how do we take these, you know, really special individuals and help accelerate the advantage they have to enable them to make a greater difference in the world and also identify their blind spots? So there's been this growing kind of group of, you know, single family offices that have been set up to kind of inoculate against the existing investment advisory firms that don't really connect with the entrepreneur. And, you know, we believe there's a unique opportunity to build a community to really help bridge that gap. And that's what we're building in Pennington. Amazing. So, you know, one of the couple of things, which is one, I know you see this as a community and you see this from what I've known as our friendship for years is really wanting to have people involved that you learn from and challenge you. And I think in terms of the impact, because I always believe that people's passion and the impact is really the thing that needs to be heard. So w- what I'd say is, you know, uh, what what's the impact for these entrepreneurs when you're able to be a catalyst for them to have more time and more focus on innovation? What, yeah. what do you think can come out of that that can help the world and create great businesses at the same time? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the best way to describe it would just be like a case study, like an example, right? So I had the privilege to partner and, and certainly can't get into who that person is, but I had a privilege to partner with an, an indefatigable, just amazing individual that I was introduced to and our firm was introduced to who built and sold a company in the space industry for a significant amount of, of equity. You know, we're talking significant nine figures. And, you know, his vision is to really improve humanity and humankind. And he's built a holding company and he's founded a company that's privatizing the National Space Day, all kind of interesting stuff, nuclear energy. And, you know, as we think about the impact that we can have for, for, for him, we learned about opportunity zones, right? As an example, 
And we ultimately, you know, created the new businesses in opportunity zones to improve humanity and humankind, are involved in supporting the initiatives around, you know, creating a public charity to effectuate his vision around space education on a global basis. There's so much. And but for me, you know, as much as we give, I get more, right? So, you know, this is something that's all this comes from understanding people's pain points related to the valuation of their time. It comes from understanding where people want to have a community and a network where they can both give and gain value. And if they don't know as much about philanthropy, they can learn. And if they're great innovators, but they've not then taken a company and maintained it at scale years after its launch, I think a lot of that community is where you you can find the most effective people and bring them together. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think for me, it's just, Tremendous. I mean, you think about it, you'd ask the question, what am I most passionate about, right? Every day, having the opportunity to speak with and partner with other entrepreneurs, where instead of thinking, how do I make money off somebody? It's like, how do we learn together? How does one plus one equal five? And how do we compound at that every single day, every single day? And it's like, I'll share a story with you. There was a guy, and I'll mention his name. His name's Alan Elkin. He was um, somebody I have tremendous respect for. I got to know early in my career. And I once went to his home for the first time in a suburb outside of Baltimore, built an incredibly successful business in the, uh, the printing. They basically lease printers and they've built a kind of a tech automation. Anyway, great guy, son, Jeff Elkin, great guy, took over the company or really leads the business today. I was in their home. They lived in the same neighborhood that, where my parents started home. And I asked him, why did you always decide to stay in this home? Right. It was a, Modest home in Pikesville, Maryland. And he said, Lois, my wife, was my dream. Is my dream. The business we started, that was my dream. The company we built, the employees, was my dream. This home is my dream. So Warren Buffett could come to my house and say, you know what, Brian? I'm wealthier than you. And I'd look him in the face and say, no, you're not. And the reason why I haven't moved is because I want everyone to know my dream is not for sale. And so for me, you know, having the opportunity to be able to build a company, partner with other entrepreneurs, because instead of having the philosophy saying we're the best people, the best access, the best resources, my philosophy is you know, my family came from ultimately nothing post-Holocaust. It was an incredible success through integrity, hard work, giving back, in being really thoughtful. And how do we take those other families, bring them together? Because we all don't have the answers individually. And the sum of our parts is just so much greater than any of us operating on its own. And if, if you think that way and build a community in that way and think about a solutions-oriented platform from that lens, how could you live a more enriching life in addition to obviously family and giving back to the community than building a company that's solving those kind of problems with people that you can learn from every single day? And this is obviously, it's a great point. You know, this is why I count you as, you know, such a strong connector in my network. Because I think the one thing that people, people often overlook is the importance of the relationships in our life and, and how multifaceted they are. That some can be just personal, some can be business, some can be impacts, some can be philanthropic. But when you find people who are, you know, members of your tribe, it's because you share that integrity and a commonality with them that doesn't need to be said. And I think you know, one of the most important things I've always found is, is 
really working at where you can keep adding those people by defining that value system. So um, what I want to do is I want to share a little bit with you. Um, you know, part of these podcasts, I believe, you know, you always need to have something in there that's a vulnerability. So not that it was ever a surprise to anyone that I was really bad at math and science. Something I was really taught early on is, you know, in high school, my team in physics or chemistry or biology always solved the problem the quickest, and it always ended up getting the right answer. And I always felt, at least for a while, that I was never actually contributing because I never had the answers. But what I realized early on is there's a real success in the people who can weave a team together people who can be humble in how they approach what they don't know and how they can actually then extrapolate what the right answers are from the brilliance of the group around them. And I learned that at the same time that I failed chemistry, but it's become a lot of what my success later in life has been. And it was something early on I never really understood till I started to understand how some of the secret forces behind the best people end up being the most dominant later on. That's super interesting. You know, I, I, so I, I think that everything in our life, a lot in our life is a function of our childhood, right? What we learn at a young age and how that shapes our views on the world. And there's so much about us. And and sometimes we don't, we don't really realize it, but at least I found it to, to be true for people I know really well and, and for myself. And, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was a kid, me and my father, and my father is my best friend in the world, was uh, pretty tough on me for sure. And if I ever got a C in school, which wasn't that often, I was in my room for a week, come down for meals. It wasn't that I got a C. It was, you know, as a son of a Holocaust survivor, he's, my grandfather worked so hard to give the kids a better opportunity for him. And my father was working so hard in his business to give us a better opportunity to send us to private school and send us to camp and soccer and all this stuff. He's like, you got to give your all in anything you do, right? And so for me, that's something that I was taught at a really young age and it's really stuck with me. If you're going to do something, give it your absolute best. And so I appreciate you sharing that with me because I didn't, I didn't fully get that as a kid. You know, I didn't fully get, but I knew I wanted my father's approval you know, to make him proud and, you know, that insecurity that I had, and maybe I still have, but certainly I had at a college where I wanted to really create my own path. I just figured if I'd work as hard as I could, if I knew I didn't, you know, I was a young guy in investment banks and I didn't know everything, I was going to learn as much as I could and work as hard as I could to put myself in a position because, you know, you can never take education away from anybody. And that's not just defined by where you went to college or where you got your MBA but it's defined on learning every single day. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I I hear you on that. I mean, two things I add is one, I mean, I was fortunate to almost my entire life have my father's approval, but if not, we had payday bars. (laughs) Um, But more than that, I mean, I was somebody where my dad had me when he was 40 and I've been, you know, haunted most of my life of thinking where he'd be when I reached milestones in my age. Um, you know, in terms of success, in terms of what he'd know my children, which fortunately he now does. But there was really something around that idea that you mentioned of, you know, making the most of what we have. 
And, you know, so I'm going to give you one of my, one of my, it's, it's not one of my favorite quotes. It's one of the quotes that is so true. It has to be, which is, you know, as you get into higher levels of executive leadership, really running teams, founding something, building something, you realize that the, the higher you get, the more you have to learn how to say no correctly. So there's a, a favorite quote of mine from Oscar Wilde. And again, coming from a theater background with a Shakespearean professor as a father, almost all my quotes are theater. But it goes like this. It says, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. And I always think about that in the context of how much we can be riled up when we think we're wrong, how much we can be defensive when we think we're being attacked. But I approach so many difficult situations with humor. And I I love to do that because it reminds us that the situation may have tension, but the people do not have to. And that's something that I found is really important when relationships need to be maintained and built, but you have to challenge people at the same time for what you need from them or others with it. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. For me, I, I think it's simple. As a kid, my, my grandmother always used to tell me on my father's side that came from Austria, she said, never had an opportunity for education. She said, Brian, you're only fooling yourself. You know, she would joke around with me and say that and as I was a kid. And, you know, what I heard was what you do when no one else is around is truly defines who you are, right? So people say a lot of things in life. They say, I'm going to do X, I'm going to do Y, but they never do it. Because when no one else is around, they're not doing that. That's not what they're really passionate about, right? And so I think, you know, in life, it's, you know, Working hard is, you know, something that, you know, is, is stressful. But when we're working hard for something we love, it's called passion. And so for me, I, I try to think about those two things, right? A, I love what I'm doing, so I'm passionate about it. And working hard is just what I, there's nothing else I'd rather do in the world. And the other is, hey, when we're off this podcast, you know, what is it that I'm going to do? I'm going to keep focusing on what I'm most passionate about. And that's kind of defines who you are and you compound that every single day. You've got great habits. You follow through on what you say you're going to do. You hopefully have an opportunity to build great relationships. And I think most importantly, make a, a, diff- a positive difference in the world. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate that. And it's, it's always great. I think for grandparents to hear they were listened to. Um, I think that the sad thing often is that they don't necessarily get to see what we become because of their advice. Uh, now, I actually never had grandparents from either side of my family, but my mother's best friend, a woman named Doris Borden, was a grandmother to me. And she was somebody who taught me an incredible amount by actually bringing me back to the Oscar Wilde quote, by t- giving me the hard truth early so I could learn how I reacted to it. And then I could figure out that that didn't find my value system. It just defined the circumstance. And in many cases, when people are very harsh, it's more a comment back on them and their inability to find empathy or compassion in correcting something to move it forward. I totally agree. So there are any, um, any other quotes or, or final thoughts you'd like to share um, in terms of relationships and how you build them? 
I mean, I think it's just philosophical, right? I mean, you know, if you really believe that you have an opportunity to meet people and build a relationship and learn from them, and p- other people feel that, and you, you have an opportunity to connect to them on a personal level, I think that's a, that's a special thing, right? And I think so often, you know, if we connect this discussion to business or whatever else we're going to accomplish, sometimes people unintentionally are transactional and can, can make someone feel like, hey, what I really want is X out of you. And it's a, it's a real balance as, as your time is more and more limited, right? To be focused on, hey, why am I having this call? Why am I meeting this person? Coupled with recognizing that we don't know that much about this person. We'd love to learn more and find a way to connect with them on a personal level to build a relationship over time. And so I just think, you know, if the philosophy is not how do I make money or get an outcome off of someone, but hopefully how do we learn and do stuff together? More and more as, you know, I've learned. And if I knew what I knew now back then, that's something that I I try to to really think about every day. Yeah, I I greatly appreciate that. I mean, I think for some people, it's practical or innate. For many people, what they desire and what they need doesn't come with the experience of how they actually can achieve that. And that's why, I mean, I always make sure in every introduction that I make that people understand that it's meant to be reciprocal, not necessarily transactional, or it may never be, but it's about really giving a clear sense of where people's value systems align, and at least why I think that two people would benefit from being brought at least closer together, at least to spend some amount of time together. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and to that end, as I'm listening to you, you know, I, I have had the privilege to be a member of a group called National Leadership Cabin through Jewish Federation, which is really the leading next generation community of kind of Jewish leaders in North America. And just the more you give, you know, I grew up at the JCC, I do a scholarship for the J. I really care deeply about, you know, the Jewish community, but I also equally care deeply about, you know, poverty and upward mobility for all people. Um, that, you know, recognizing that talent is ever an opportunity is not. But I ultimately, a couple of years ago, met my now fiance completely by accident. We were on a bus doing a community project in Arizona in the summer, as you can imagine. Pretty cold out there during summertime. And... <laughs> And, you know, we ended up doing a ski trip, going on, organizing a ski trip in, in February to just build relationships with other people in the group. On a, you know, during a President's Day weekend, it's always tough when people aren't married or in a serious relationship. So I thought for anybody that was single, it'd be really nice to get together because I just got out of a relationship. And you fast forward and we're engaged a couple of years later. And so I didn't go into national. It was a great call because she's an incredible human being. And a, and a dear soul who makes you at least was making you a matzo bra every Thursday. Totally, totally, and she totally. She's definitely really stepped up in the COVID on the matzo bra, and she is incredible. But I just I share that as an example of the more you give, the more you get. But I wasn't looking to get. I just I just felt like this is the right thing to do. You were looking to build relationships to add value, and if something came from it, your hope was to add value to others, and then yeah. that's how it comes to you. So listen, it's been uh, such a pleasure having you on our podcast, Orchestrated Relationships. I'm grateful for our friendship and our continued work to support each other. So on behalf of all the listeners, thank you so much for joining us, Brian, and I hope you tune in again soon. Thanks, David. The pleasure is mine. Really grateful to be included. My pleasure, too.
On the next podcast of Orchestrated Relationships, stay tuned for Cam Snaith, who discusses how supporting people one by one built his powerful Bleaker community into a force for good and social justice. We'll close with my work, The Triumph, from the ballet, The Book of Esther, for clarinet, violin, guitar, cello, and piano. Thank you.